are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. This is our last sermon in the series on the life of Joseph. So here's what I've got beside me. I've got a whiteboard, and on the whiteboard there are lots of sins listed here. Um, And so they're more like categories of sins rather than actual sins. So like it says lying, but it doesn't say... um, you know, like I lied to my mother, but it's, it's lying, deceit and impure thoughts and profanity and judging and greed and idolatry and stealing and hatred and vanity and gossip and murder and adultery and anger and pride and blasphemy and envy, dishonesty, hypocrisy, bitterness, lust, drunkenness, on and on and on. Lots of sins listed on the board. So maybe you would look at the board and you would say, okay, I've committed a lot of those sins in my life. In fact, you may look at the board and say, I think most of those sins are mine at some point along the way. So why don't we just do this? Why don't we just take a minute and just imagine that this is your board, okay? This is the board that represents your life. And all of these sins you've committed. And one day you come to the Father. And you say to the Father, you know what? There's a lot of sin in my life. And I'm really sorry for my sin." And the Father says to you, there is a lot of sin in your life. But I know your heart, and I know that you're really sorry for your sin. So here's what the Father says. Just give me a minute, will you? And He takes an eraser, and He takes the board that represents your life, and He just starts erasing. And He erases all kinds of things, hypocrisy, and pride, and anger, and gossip, and hatred, and judging, and greed, and idolatry, impure thoughts, and profanity. And he just erases until finally the board that represents your life is completely clean. This is what God wants for you desperately. In fact, what God wants for you is forgiveness. He wants the board that represents your life to be completely clean. And I'll tell you how bad that he wants it. Are you ready? He wants it so bad that He gave the life of His only Son to make it a possibility. So God says, when I think about you and I think about what I want your life to look like, I mean, when it comes to sin, I want the board to represent your life. I want it just to be erased completely clean. This is what I desire for you. Now, I want you to hear me really closely, okay? Maybe one of the most important things I'll ever say to you If the board that represents your life does not look like this, it's only because you want sin in your life more than you want to be forgiven. If the board that represents your life does not look like this one, it's only because... You want sin in your life more than you want to be forgiven. Because God has made it very plain. What He wants for you is this, forgiveness. And He wants it so bad that He gave the life of His only Son to make that a possibility for you. So... 
Why don't we open God's Word today and see what God has to say to us through the story of the life of Joseph? Because here's what I believe. I believe as we go to Genesis chapter 50, the last chapter of Genesis, I believe that the life of Joseph gives us a picture of God's grace as he comes to us through the person of Jesus Christ, okay? So I want to share these words with you. We, we, we've been in this story for several weeks now. And if I said anything about Joseph's life, I would say, well, it's, it's kind of full of ups and downs. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Annette and I, years ago, were trying to decide one Saturday afternoon what we could do for fun. We wanted to be outside because it was the spring of the year and Cincinnati has long winters and it was a sunny, beautiful day and we wanted to be outside. And I just said to Annette, you know, the girls are both out of town. Usually we would only go with them, but we have those passes to an amusement park in Cincinnati called Kings Island. Anybody ever been there? And so we said, let's go over to the amusement park. It's outside. It's free. Let's just hang around. So it was a date. We took off. As soon as we get in the park, it's this beautiful day. Sun is shining. Lots of families everywhere. We're thinking, this was a, this was a good call. This will be fun. We'll spend a couple hours out here. We immediately got in line to get on a roller coaster, the oldest roller coaster at Kings Island, an old wooden roller coaster. Have you ever been on a wooden roller coaster in a long time? In the first place, they're not built for people like me, okay? The box was so small that you're sitting in. My knees are like under my chin, and I'm all scrunched up, and I'm holding on. And when that thing takes off, you talk about highs and lows, man. I mean, we were going after it, and it hurt so bad. You don't understand this. If you're young, but if you're my age, stuff like that hurts. And so we're just in pain. We're just shaking in our faces, and we're both going, oh, 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 you know, the whole way through. Finally, we get off, and we're just angry. We're like... That hurt so bad. My whole body is just hurting right now. I think that's what Joseph's life was like. There was lots of pain, lots of ups and downs in his life. His life was a lot like your life, my life. Lots of ups and downs. His dad loved him so much. He pampered him. He treated him special, right? He bought him stuff he didn't buy anybody else. That's a high. But his brothers hated him for it and sold him into slavery. Now that's a low. But he did well while he was in slavery. He outdid all the other common slaves. And so his master puts him in charge of the whole household. Now that's a high. But his wife found him very attractive. The master's wife did and wanted to sleep with him. And because Joseph said no, she falsely accuses him and has him thrown into prison. Boy, that's a low. But he outshines all the other prisoners. And so what happens? He gets promoted to where he's like over the whole prison. If you've got to be in prison, you want to be in charge, right? That's a high. But then the cupbearer forgot about his ability to interpret dreams. That's a low. How long am I going to stay here? But then he remembered. And Pharaoh, after he interpreted his dream, made him second in charge of all of Egypt. Now that's a high. Here's the deal. In all of Joseph's highs and lows... He handled it with grace. And when it was needed, he exercised his power to forgive. And that's what this passage is about. So, when Joseph's brothers, verse 15 of chapter 50, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph 
holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong we did to him. I mean, just think about it, guys, for a minute, okay? With our daddy gone, what if, I'm just saying, what if, what if Joseph is really holding a grudge against us and what if he pays us back for all the wrong we did to him? And so they sent word to Joseph. And here's what they said. Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please, forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. And when their message came to Joseph, he wept. Then his brothers came, and they threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, You you guys have no reason to be afraid. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of all of these lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you. I will provide for your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. This is God's word for us today. Do do, do you know the name um, Eva Kaur? Does that name ring a bell to you? Let me show you her picture, okay? She's elderly now. And uh, Eva is a survivor of the Holocaust, where the Nazi regime murdered over six million Jewish people. In 1944, Eva was only 10 years old. Thanks for the picture. She was only 10 years old, and the Nazis put her and her family in a cattle car, train car, that was used for hauling cattle. And they traveled for 70 hours without food and water until they appeared at the death camp, Auschwitz. Eva says, when we arrived on the selection platform, and that was really who lives and who dies, she said, I believe there is no other strip of land in the world that has seen so many families ripped apart. Listen to her words. When the doors to our cattle car opened, I heard soldiers yelling, Schnell! Schnell! Meaning fast, hurry! And ordering everybody out. My mother grabbed Miriam, my twin sister, and me by the hand. She was always trying to protect us because we were the youngest. Everything was moving very fast. But as I looked around, I realized that my father and my two sisters were gone. They had disappeared. As I clutched my mother's hand, a soldier... Uh, hurried along by shouting, Twins! Twins! pointed at me and my sister. He stopped to look at us. Uh, Miriam and I looked so much alike. Are they twins? He asked my mother. Is that good? She replied. He nodded. Yes. Then they're twins, she said. But once the soldier knew we were twins... Miriam and I were taken away from our mother. Without any warning, without any explanations, our screams fell on deaf ears. I remember looking back and seeing my mother's arms stretched out in despair as we were taken away from her by the soldier. That was the last time, Eva says, that I ever saw my mother. 
Soon after, the girls were forcibly taken from their mom. Eva and Miriam became part of a group of children used as human guinea pigs in genetic experiments under the direction of Dr. Joseph Mingala. Approximately 1,500 sets of twins, 3,000 children were abused and almost all died as a result of these experiments. Mingala did a number of medical experiments of unspeakable horror at Auschwitz. Using these twins, as young as five and six years of age, usually murdered after the experiment, and their bodies would have been dissected. A smiling uncle, Mingala, injected chemicals into the eyes of the children in an attempt to change their eye color. He made experimental, experimental surgeries performed without any anesthetic, transfusions of blood from one twin to another, isolation endurance, reaction to various stimuli, he made injections with lethal germs that eventually killed them. He performed sex change operations. He removed organs and limbs at random. Eva says, Miriam and I were part of the group of children who were alive for one reason only, to be used as human guinea pigs, starved for food, starved for human kindness. It took every ounce of strength we had just to stay alive. Three times a week, we were placed naked in a room for six to eight hours to be measured and studied. It was unbelievably demeaning. Both girls survived, but their parents, their sisters, their aunts, uncles, grandparents were all murdered. You've got to lean forward. You ready? On the 27th of January... 1995, the 50th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz, I stood by the ruins of the gas chambers with my children, Eva says. That day, I forgave the Nazis. I read my document of forgiveness, and I signed it. And as I did that, I felt a burden of pain was lifted from me. I was no longer in the grip of hate. For the first time since I was 10 years old, I was free. Now I think, I have a pretty good grasp on this idea of forgiveness. But there are some situations like this one that really challenges my ability to get it. Because what Eva was saying was that as far as the Nazis are concerned and my relationship to them I am erasing everything on the board. It is all going to be erased clean. You're telling me no grudges, no paybacks, nothing? And she says, nothing. I actually saw a video of this little elderly lady, lady walking along with another doctor, not Dr. Mingala, but another doctor who did similar things at Auschwitz. 
And she is holding onto his arm, and they're walking along as if they are friends. In fact, she said, we have become friends, good friends. And she was saying to him, in my relationship with you, as far as I'm concerned, everything that happened back there, I'm taking an eraser, and I'm erasing the board that represents your life. I'm erasing it completely clean. In my mind, it's all gone. No grudges, no paybacks. It's over. I forgive you. You want to know why we struggle with this so bad? It's the same reason Joseph's brothers struggled with it so bad. Here's why. They said to themselves, as I read you a moment ago, now that our father has died, I don't think this forgiveness thing is real. I mean, it's like it's too good to be true. It's got to be with conditions. It's got to be like, okay, as long as dad was living, Joseph is going to take care of us and treat us right. But when he's gone, who knows what's going to happen, right? And here's what they say. These are their words. What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back? Underline those words, highlight them, bold them, everything that you can do them. What if he pays us back for the wrong that we did to him? You understand? For you and me, in our fallenness, the most natural way for us to think about someone hurting us is revenge. Somebody should pay, right? This should cost somebody something. One of these days, buddy, you're going to pay for what you did to me back there. The most natural way for us to think in our fallenness is in terms of revenge. But 2,000 years ago, a guy named Jesus comes onto our scene and he reminds us that God's community is very different than that. And in the kingdom of God, we have a whole other set of values. They're not like the values of the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus reminds us that in the kingdom of God, we don't value revenge. We value forgiveness. Because God is a God who forgives. God says, I see all of your sin, but if this board represents your life, that I am forgiving every sin you have ever committed and they are all gone and the board that represents your life is clean. The reason I know we struggle to get it is because I'm a pastor and I talk to people about stuff like sin. And here's what they say to me. Pastor, do you think? Do you think, Pastor, do you think the reason I'm going through all the hard stuff that I'm going through right now, do you think it's because, do you think it's because, Pastor, of what I did years ago? And they're using the same language that Joseph's brothers used. Do you think that God is paying me back? Because we think in terms of revenge. God thinks in terms of forgiveness. So sometimes I just say to people, quit. Just stop. You're trying to bargain with God. 
You're making deals. You're trying to earn God's forgiveness. Just stop. You don't have to do that. God forgives. See, I'm going to do this with my life and I'm going to give this much effort and this much money and this much of my time. And I'm thinking that if I give this much and I serve and I work here and I do this, I'm hoping that when I come to the end of this whole thing that maybe the good will outweigh the bad and I'll get a check mark by my name. It's not how it works. God wants to forgive you so bad that He gave the life of His only Son to make it a possibility in your life. So let's talk a little more about Joseph and his brothers, okay? It's Mother's Day. Yay! I love Mother's Day. Do you? Maybe I love Father's Day a little better, but I love Mother's Day. I, I've told you that the last couple of Mother's Day, I've kind of really messed things up pretty bad. And, and I know it's just kind of crazy, but the last two I didn't get right, and so it's been kind of a big deal. After the first time I messed it up really bad, me and my buddy Jeffrey... Uh, then we messed the second year up somehow again really bad. So, so my wife says to me this past week, Hey, just so you know, I've made reservations at a restaurant. This is what I want you to buy me. And this is what I want us to do. It was like she was saying, You have no hope of getting it right, so I'll just take care of it for you. And so when she says that to me, I say to her, I like it when you talk like that. You just made it easy for me. I'm not going to mess up Mother's Day this year, hopefully. So you say, when you messed it up the last couple of years, I mean, it got serious a little bit, honestly. I really made a mess a couple of times. Are, are you living like now with that fear of like one day Annette's going to get back at you? Or maybe that you're really not forgiven. Absolutely not. I mean, Annette is a forgiving person. Now, I don't need to keep messing it up, I'll be honest with you. But Annette is a very forgiving person. And so sometimes we kind of get into it a little bit, all right? If that bothers you that we get into it a little bit, you're just going to have to go you therefore and be you bothered because we are pastors, but sometimes we struggle in relationships like everybody else. And so sometimes after we've kind of gotten into it, maybe a day... Later, I'll come to her and I'll say, Nat, you know what happened yesterday? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about it. Okay. Well, I just need to tell you something, okay? And she says, what? And I say, I forgive you. <laughs> and I really do. It's kind of been fun. And she says, well, then I forgive you because you need forgiveness more than I do. <laughs> but we have this thing where we truly forgive each other. And she probably has to do a lot more forgiving than I do wasn't the case with Joseph's brothers. They didn't feel forgiven. There was a day when I said to people, like crazy, like I was smart or something, why in the world would anybody ever send a text? I mean, I, when you can talk to somebody on the phone, I thought texting when I first heard of it was the most odd, unique thing I've ever heard of in my life. Why would anybody text when you could call? Now I understand completely and I text a lot more than I call. I love texting. In fact, there are some conversations I really don't want to have. You know what I mean? Like over the phone or in face. And so I just maybe send a text or an email. You know what I'm saying? Send a message. And that's what Joseph's brothers did. They sent a message. Joseph, we were thinking that since our father died, maybe we're not okay. And so he wanted you to know this before he died. 
Would you please forgive your brothers for the wrong they've done to you? And, and Joseph just begins to weep. His heart is broken. Do, do you know what happens here? Joseph really only sees his brother do two things. The first thing they do is they confess their wrong, their sin. All right? That's important. They acknowledge the fact we've messed up. The second thing they did was they asked for forgiveness. And so there's some really good stuff in the Bible I want to show you right now, okay? It's in the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. And here are the words. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, some of you need to take that home with you, underline it in your Bible, read it two times a day for the next week. Because here's what the Bible says. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and He is just and He will forgive you of your sins and He will purify you from all unrighteousness. This is a promise in the Word of God. And what the brothers were doing were living with confessed sin, but they felt guilt about and they lived in fear over and they were concerned. And I'm looking at somebody right now that would say to me, Rick, I have confessed my sin. But I'm spending all this time worried about already confessed sin because I'm afraid that I'm not really forgiven. Like Joseph's brothers. How silly. And what does Joseph do with his brothers? He just says to them, listen, I don't want you to be afraid. I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to take care of your children and your grandchildren. And he spoke with kindness to them to assure them You are forgiven. There's some people in the room today. God has forgiven you. But you are not living with the realization that you have been forgiven. You're logical people. And your response is, it just doesn't seem fair. It's not fair. Do you know who Frederick Buechner is? He's a theologian, a writer. He's a Presbyterian minister, I think. He writes about grace. Let me show you what he writes about grace. Grace is something you can never get but only be given. That first sentence is awesome. You will never say to anybody, I'm going to go get some grace because you can't get grace. <laughs> You can never say to anybody, hey, help me get some grace, will you? I need some grace. Nobody can get grace. Grace is given to you. There's no way to earn it or deserve it or bring it about. No more than you can earn good looks or bring about your own birth. People are saved by grace. These next three sentences are not a misprint. There is nothing you have to do. There is nothing you have to do. There is nothing you have to do. There's only one catch. Like any other gift, the gift of grace can be yours only if you will reach out and take it. I love this last line. And maybe, just maybe, maybe being able to reach out and take it, maybe that's a gift too. And it is. There's a God who loves you deeply who says, I want to forgive your sins. 
the board that represents your life, I want to erase it clean. Some of you are saying, if you're going to put my sins up, it's going to take two or three boards. And Jesus says, then I will erase two or three boards clean. So Rick, you're saying that God wants to forgive us. He wants to forgive us so bad that he gave his only son Jesus' life to make it possible. That's right. But you're saying the reason we struggle is because the most natural way for us to think is in terms of revenge. Somebody should have to pay. And God says, you know what? My son paid. He paid your tab. My son Jesus, he paid for your sins. Somebody paid. And so what we have to do is just confess. That's right. And ask forgiveness. That's right. And you experience forgiveness. Now let me talk about uh, why I want this for you so bad, okay? We, we were at home um, asleep a while back, Annette and I, and our daughter Morgan is in college, uh, but she's never at home. She lives off campus, and even in the summer, she's traveled. Every year we've been here somewhere, and so she's never really been at our house more than like a week or two at a time, at the very most. So we're just not accustomed to her being in our home. So one night, we're in bed and we're asleep, and while we are sleeping, um, I was aware that Morgan was probably coming home that night and she'd be sleeping upstairs. While we're asleep, I am awakened by a blood-curdling scream of a woman's voice. Do you know what that's like to hear coming out of your sleep? It came out of the person laying beside me, my wife. I jump, Annette, you know, it's just, it's awful. My heart is beating. I'm like, I have this deal where I kind of get nauseated and all that kind of stuff. And she goes, I'm so sorry. I screamed, didn't I? Yeah. I was dreaming somebody was trying to hurt us. And I fall back on my pillow. I'm trying to get the heart rate down, trying to pump the brakes a little bit here, you know. I said, it's okay. She goes, no, I'm really sorry. I said, no, I'm sorry for you. That's an awful dream. Are you okay? Yeah. I said, well, well, we're okay. It's okay now, okay? I hug her. She hugs me. I'm so sorry. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. So finally, I'm kind of trying to fall back off to sleep. And it takes a minute, to be honest with you. So finally, you know, I'm going back to sleep. And, and what I didn't think about was the fact that, that our little Morgan was asleep upstairs but heard the scream. So Morgan calls us often after we're asleep. Obviously, that's not an issue for her, okay? <laughs> and my phone is always on the nightstand beside me, and it always vibrates. It wakes me up, and I answer, Hey, Morgan, what, we're asleep. What do you want? You know? So... So I, that happens a lot in our lives, it seems like. And so, so she calls. But when I was getting ready for bed that night, I took my phone out of my pocket and I laid it on the dresser in the closet. And I didn't think to take it back with me into the bedroom. And so my phone is in there vibrating, but I can't hear it. Annette's phone is on the floor on the carpet beside her, so it's making no noise hardly. And for about 20 minutes, Morgan is scared to death. She doesn't know what has happened downstairs. She just knows she heard her mother scream, this blood-curdling scream. And then there was silence. And she's afraid to go down. 
And she calls a friend, and what should I do? And the friend's like, we're going to get some people to your house, you know. (laughs) She keeps calling our phones. Finally, Annette answers her phone. She calls her friends and says, go back home, it's okay. But can you imagine how we felt as a mom and dad? We ran upstairs. We're saying, Morgan, we're so sorry. She's crying. She said, I was so afraid. I thought something had happened. As a dad, I don't want my kids living in fear. And this morning, the father says, I don't want any of you living in fear over your sins. Life's too short just to live it in fear. Like Joseph's brothers, they said, we sent word because we were afraid. And Joseph says, I don't want you to be afraid because of your sins, okay? You don't have to live in fear because of your sins because we serve a God who forgives sins. And when you come to God with all of your sins, He looks at the board that represents your life and He takes the eraser and He says, I know you're sorry because I can see your heart and I'm going to erase every sin from the board that represents your life and you don't have any sins to worry about or to be afraid of any longer. What? Did somebody say amen? I love this stuff. And I am worked up right now. Because this is my experience. And I lay my head on my pillow at night. And I'm not afraid about my sins. And I want you to live that life. So you want to stand with me? So sometimes when we stand, we lose focus a bit. So stand up and and refocus, will you? Okay, so here we go. There's some people in this room this morning who have been forgiven of your sins, but you're living like Joseph did in fear. And it is silly. It is goofy. There is no reason to live in fear. You have been forgiven. And this morning, maybe it's a matter of saying, God, give me the faith to believe forgiveness. And there's others of you this morning who are living in fear because of your sins, because the board that represents your life has sin written all over it. And you need to be forgiven. You need to confess, these are my sins, and you need to ask forgiveness. And so you can come this morning and pray about those things, but you know that you can come and pray about anything, and probably many of you will, and That's wonderful if you're going through a tough time. It's okay to come and pray about that, maybe even as a family. Or if you just want to come and celebrate your mom today and you want to get on your knees and thank God for her, or if you want to come with her to the altar and thank God for your lives together, you're free to do that. It's kind of a family day, and maybe you've got family on your mind, and you know of family members that need to have the board that represents their life erased in regard to sin, and you want to pray for them. You can... You can do that. There'll be pastors here and here, and they will pray with you if you want to be anointed for healing. So, Lord, I've been praying this week that today somebody would hear something that would change their lives forever. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name.
We will continue to worship, and so you can feel free to hang around. Uh, when you leave, leave quietly. If you still want to come and pray, you're welcome to do that, okay? Now, to him who is able to do abundantly more, more than we would ask or ever begin to imagine, be glory and honor and power forevermore. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.